Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. The New Testament book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 3. The book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 3. With this brand new year, we start a brand new series. And with this brand new series, we have to start with a foundational message. This morning's message will be the foundational message that all the rest of the messages dealing with this subject of the Holy Scriptures will be built upon. And we want to build this good foundation to understand the importance of the Bible that we have in our hand. To understand where did it come from, to answer some questions, and to be able to explain things from the Bible that we could defend the Holy Scriptures, and more importantly, to encourage you to be in the Bible for yourself when you see the importance of the Scriptures themselves. And we start off in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter number 3. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, and if you don't mind, look with me in verse number 15. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 15. The Word of God says this, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. The book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 15, notice the phrase, the holy scriptures. The holy scriptures. And with this, we're going to build the foundational, explain the very basics as we begin with the holy scriptures, and uh, maybe just a subtitle, perhaps, if you'd like, dealing with the sufficiency of scriptures. We're going to speak about the holy scriptures and that they are sufficient, that they are good enough. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for whom you are. And I'm asking that you would give us grace and that you would give us mercy. That you would help us now to be able to explain and to build this foundational principle here. And that you would help us in the upcoming uh, messages to help have a deeper understanding and the importance of your Bible and why you gave it to us and why it's important for us to have it. Thank you, Lord, for whom you are. Now, because of the emphasis you place on your scriptures, I can have confidence in asking this, that you would bless your own word. That the best I know how I surrender myself to you, I set myself aside and just say, Lord, you do your own work. Use me as your instrument now, but you bless your own word and you do your own work through your word because we can trust it. And in your name we pray, amen. As we start off here in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3, 
we want to start and build a foundation. And the very first thing I'd like to show you is the inspiration of all scripture. The inspiration of all scripture. Notice with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and notice with me in verse number 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. We want to start by explaining what do we mean by inspiration. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The inspiration of all scripture. The word inspiration comes from a word that means God breathed. That God breathed the scriptures. And the same breath that God breathed into Adam to make him a living soul, God breathed into the scriptures to give us his word. Now, how does this work? Now, some people have a mistaken notion that man wrote the scriptures. Man did not write the scriptures. God wrote the scriptures. You say, how does that work? Well, pause with me if you don't mind. We're coming back to 2 Timothy. But let me explain this a little bit more detail. In the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And let me explain and show you from God's word about this idea of inspiration. The word inspiration means God breathed. That we believe that God is the one who gave us the scriptures. That God is the author. God is the power. God is the one who put the scriptures together. But notice as the Bible explains what we mean by this in the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. Notice with me in verse number 20. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. Knowing this first. Now this means that this is important. Knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. We'll explain more about that in another lecture, but what that's speaking about quickly is that God did not say that it means something to you that means something different to me. That when God gave us the scriptures, there was one interpretation, one thing that God was trying to get across. That the Bible is not of any private interpretation. But notice as he continues on that thought in verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time, by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this tells us how we got our scripture. Our scripture did not come because some guy woke up and said, I think I'm going to write some Bible today. But instead, God used human penmen to record what God wanted. Let me give an illustration. I'm going to write something on this piece of paper. I'm going to write down my name. And so when you look, look, my name is there. You probably can't see it from where you are, but I wrote down my name. May I ask, how did this name get here? What wrote down his name? Well, did the pen do it by itself? No. But was the pen used to do so? Yes. But it was me, the person, that was the driving force behind the pen. Now, the Bible here, it says, for the prophecy came not by old time, not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now notice as the Bible describes these men. These weren't just any old men. These were men who were holy. That means that they were set apart for God's use. And they were moved as God moved them, as the Holy Ghost moved them. May I illustrate this again? Let's say that I'm going to write down my name, but this time the 
pen is going to fight against me. All right, so I'm going to get ready to write down, but it wants to have its own will and it fights and whatever. Am I going to get across exactly what I want? No, not a... In order for the pen, the instrument to write down what I, the force, want, then I have to be surrendered to be used. Does that make sense? And so what we have here is that God used different penmen. He used different instruments. By the way, we all have different, could use different instruments. I have a certain pen that I use for everything. I know my daughter likes pretty colors. So let's say that she uses a pink pen. And she goes, Dad, you can borrow my pink pen. And I write it down. Now, when it shows up, it looks like they're different, right? They may have be the same handwriting, but they're different textures, different inks, different one. I could use a different black pen and it looked differently, correct? That's because I use different pens, different instruments to get across. However, the force behind it is still the one giving it across. Does that make sense? So what we're trying to explain is the idea of inspiration. That inspiration means God breathed. What do we mean by this? That God spake and the holy men were moved as the Holy Ghost moved them. So we're trying to say that the Holy Scriptures was not written by man. God is the one who gave us the Holy Scriptures. This is a book given to us by God. This is what we mean by the inspiration. Now as we go back to the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, I also want to continue on with this. As we talk about this inspiration of Scripture, we see the inspiration of all Scripture. All Scripture is inspired of God. Which brings me to a second thing, the necessity of all scripture. The necessity of all scripture. We introduced it by explaining what inspiration is. Now we see the necessity of all scripture. Notice with me in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And notice with me verse 16. In class, if you wouldn't mind, what's the very first word of verse 16? All. Good. What does all mean? All. It means all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That God gave all scripture and all of it is inspired of God. That means that if all scripture is inspired of God, all of it is necessary. All, every bit of the scripture is important. Now, this is important when we understand also why is the scripture important? What's the purpose of the Bible anyways? The very purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. That this is not a book about Paul. It's not a book about Abraham. It is a book about God. And that throughout its pages, the purpose of it is to show us God. This is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us that we may know him. He revealed himself through the scriptures. Maybe I could give an example of this. Inside of a puzzle, most of you have at least put together a puzzle, have seen a puzzle, that in a puzzle you have a different amount of pieces. What would happen is if you had a grandchild or a little kid decide he's going to eat one of the puzzle pieces? No matter how hard you try to put it together, that puzzle will never be complete because you don't have all the pieces. That all the pieces are necessary to show, to reveal what that picture was supposed to be. Well, the Bible is the same way. We have 66 books. Each book tells us something special and unique about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let me illustrate that a little bit further. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter number one, Ezekiel has a vision. And in that vision, he has a vision of four different creatures. And these four creatures that are put together as one give us a picture of the gospel. They're a picture of a lion. They're a picture of an ox, a picture of a man, and a picture of an eagle. Well, in the study of those, we also see that that's the same picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as given through the gospel records. That the gospel record of Matthew pictures Jesus Christ as the lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And through the book of Matthew, it is written to show to the Jewish mind, written to the Jewish mind, to show that Jesus Christ was the Messiah that the Old Testament had prophesied. That's why when you go through the gospel record of Matthew, you'll see that as it is written, as the scripture said, as the prophets had said, all throughout the gospel record of Matthew, it is written for the purpose of showing Showing Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, as fulfilling the prophecy written to satisfy the Jewish mind and have an understanding to the Jewish mind that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Scripture. Well, inside of the gospel record of Mark, the gospel record of Mark is pictured as an ox. Now, if you had an ox, an ox purpose is to work, to labor. It's a beast of action. It's not like a cat that just sits there and does nothing. An ox has a purpose. It has a reason to exist and its reason is to work. In the gospel record of Mark, it shows Jesus Christ as the perfect servant. It shows Jesus Christ as a man of action. And through the gospel record of Mark, it shows that Jesus has power over death over sin. He has power over healing. He is able to raise people from the dead. It shows Jesus he had power over demons. The gospel record of Mark was written to the Roman mind. And to the Roman mind, they were men of action. They weren't men of talking. They were people who understood action. And through the gospel record of Mark, you have 16 chapters. 12 of those chapters start with the word and. It shows continual action. It shows Jesus Christ was a man of action. It shows him as the perfect servant. He was the one who was always at work, always moving. And to the Roman mind, they would understand this picture of Jesus Christ. Now, in the gospel record of Luke, he is portrayed as a man. It's written to the Greek mind. And to the Greeks, they were always looking forward to the perfect man. That's why the gospel record of Luke takes a microscope and it goes into detail over the gospel, uh, Jesus's life and ministry. It goes into details that the rest of the gospel records don't have because it's shining a magnifying glass. It's exposing and let us look at the details of Jesus' life to show him as the perfect man. It is showing him that he is someone with his discourses, the way that he dealt with people. As you look deeper into Jesus' life, he's not exposed as a fraud. In fact, it is exposed even more. He is the perfect man. And then you have the gospel record of John, which soars higher than the other three and goes above and beyond what the other three gospels has. And it shows Jesus Christ as God. And its scope goes far beyond the other 
three gospel records. In fact, John chapter 1 and verse 1 even goes further back before Genesis 1.1. And Genesis 1.1 you have in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the book of John chapter 1, you have in the beginning was God. And that the word was God. And the word was with God. You have Jesus Christ who was there before creation. And the gospel record of John soars above far beyond all the rest of them. Now why do I say this? Well each of those four gospel records have a different view of Jesus. But if you want a complete view of Jesus through the gospel records you have to know all four of them. You have to put all four of them together. And they give you a complete look of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. The same thing is true in all of the Word of God. That there are 66 books of the Word of God. Each one of them have the purpose of revealing something special and unique about God. In the book of Genesis, you have Jesus, or you have God as the Creator God who made the heavens and the earth. In the book of Exodus, you have God shown as the deliverer, the God who can deliver us from evil bondage. In the gospel record of, or sorry, in the book of Leviticus, you have G, uh, God pictured as holy. And that the purpose of holiness is that man is supposed to come to God rather than God come to man. And that we are supposed to approach God. We are supposed to live holy lives because he is holy. Inside of the book of Numbers, we see that God is a God who both protects and a God who brings judgment for those that obey or disobey. Inside of the book of Deuteronomy, we could see the retelling of the law and that God is consistent inside of the book of Joshua. We have that God is the one who provides the victory. Inside of the book of Judges, we could see that God once again is a deliverer who's doing what he has to do to bring the people back to himself. Inside of the book of Ruth, we see God as the kinsman redeemer. He's the one who's able to redeem us. And by the way, on and on it goes. And that every book of the Bible tells Tells us something special and unique about God that no other book of the Bible does. How does God reveal himself through the book of Obadiah? How does the God reveal himself through the book of Ecclesiastes? How does God reveal himself through the book of Philemon? How does God reveal himself through the book of James? How does God reveal himself through the book of Amos? You understand that each one of these books of the Bible tells us something special and unique about God. And that in order for us to have the complete pip picture, the puzzle all together, we have to have all 66 pieces put together of how God has revealed himself to us. By the way, that's why we can't just wear a path on one section of the Bible. We have to be familiar with all of the Bible. We have to read the Bible. Why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is necessary. Every part of it is necessary. Every bit of it is given to us to reveal more about who God is. All of it is necessary. Now we say that because we know there's sometimes that people say, well, all I want to do is learn about Jesus. I'm just reading the gospel records. Well, then you're only getting four pictures of the puzzle of 66 pieces. You're missing a bunch of the picture. Some people say, well, I just want to see the New Testament. I just want to stay in the New Testament. Praise the Lord, the New Testament has a lot of good stuff. But then you realize that you're missing 
39 pieces of the puzzle of things that the Old Testament reveals about God to man. You understand that all scripture is necessary. Every bit of it. That's why we encourage you to read the Bible from cover to cover. To be familiar with all of it. To under heaven at working knowledge of each book of the Bible. Because we need to know who God is. And we don't want to be missing of something that God wants to reveal to us about himself. We talked about the inspiration of all scripture. That God is the one who breathed the scripture. He was the force. He was the one that put the scriptures together using human penmen. We see the necessity of all scripture. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it is necessary. I want to show you one more thing here. And I want to show you the sufficiency of scripture. The sufficiency of scripture. That the Bible is enough. The Bible is powerful of itself. That we can use the word of God. And God's word can do its own work. You understand because this is God's word. This is not man's word. This isn't man's thoughts. This is God's word. And with God's word it has authority. It has the authority of God's word. There's something about it when you have someone's word you have with it the authority. And God's word has an authority that no one else has. Remember, we can trust the Bible. God's word will do its own work. Someone gave an illustration that if you had a punk kid who was taking a stick and poking it into a lion's cage, what's the best way to defend the lion? Well, it's not to get in the way of it. The best way is to let the lion defend itself, right? I mean, just let the cage open and let the lion defend itself. God's word has enough power that we don't have to explain it away. We don't have to give our thoughts and opinions. We can let God's word do its own work. God's word has a great power that our words do not have. What do I mean by this? Well, if you don't mind, let's see what the Bible is good for. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That word profitable carries the idea that it's good for you. It's a help. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Bible is good for you. In fact, here in this passage here, the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3, <coughs> verses 15 and 16, it gives five works that the scriptures are trying to do in someone's life. If you don't mind, let's examine this. Notice with me in verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The very first work that the word of God tries to do in anyone's life is to help them to be wise unto salvation. The very first work is to bring someone to the place of salvation. Now what do we mean by this? What do we mean by salvation? Well salvation is understanding that first of all that you are a sinner. And because of your sin you've offended a holy righteous God. But then you also realize that because of your sin and you've offended God that you deserve punishment. You deserve to be separated from God. You deserve to go to an awful place called hell. 
But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ died for you and paid the price for you. And then you come to the place where you personally accept Christ as your Savior. That the very first work that the Word of God tries to do in anyone's life is bring them to the place of salvation. That may mean that it convicts them and shows them that they are a sinner. It may show them that, listen, because of your sin, you deserve to be separated from God for the wages of sin is death. But the Bible also will show that person that Jesus paid the price for them. And you could see this scarlet thread of redemption from the beginning of scriptures to the end of scriptures. This whole theme that Jesus paid the price for you. But then the scriptures will bring to the place where they personally must ask Jesus to be their savior. This is salvation. And the very first work that the Bible tries to do in anyone's life is bring them to the place of salvation. The second work that needs that the Bible tries to do in anyone's life, we find in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, notice this, for doctrine. For doctrine. What is doctrine? Our doctrine is our belief and teachings. The Bible tries to teach us, may we say it this way, what is right. The second thing that the Bible tries to do is just teach us what is right. What are the things we're supposed to do? What is right? Notice as it goes on that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It is also profitable for reproof. Maybe we could summarize it this way that not only does the Bible tell us what is right, but the Bible tells us what is not right. The Bible tells us what is not right. Well, the Bible tells us first of all about salvation. Then it tells us what's right. It tells us what's not right. Notice in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For the word correction, we could say it like this, that God shows us not only what's right, what's not right, but he also tells us how to get it right. The Bible tells us how to get it right. And then notice that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. May we summarize it this way. The Bible shows us what's right, what's not right, how to get it right, and how to keep it right. This is what the Bible does for us. The Bible will do every time the Bible is open, every time the Bible is preached, it's trying to do one of five things. Bring someone to salvation or tell us what's right, what's not right, how to get it right, and how to keep it right for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is what the Word of God does, and it is profitable. It is good for you. It is attempting every time the Bible is open, every time you read your Bible, every time the Bible is preached, God is trying to do a work in your life through the Scriptures to help you, to bring you to salvation, or in life to tell you what's right, what's not right, how to get it right, and how to get it right. Well, then let's apply this. If we allow God to do his work in our life, what happens to us? Notice verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect here carries the idea to be complete or whole. That the Bible is trying to make us complete or whole. He's trying to make us a complete person, a whole person, all together. Notice here he uses a word picture, a picture we could put in our mind. A man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished 
unto all good works. Maybe think about this as an illustration. Let's say that when someone gets saved, they get a brand new apartment that's clear. There's no uh, furniture, there's nothing in there. It's a man cave. And so it's always amazing that men left to their own devices without a wife to keep us in there. It's amazing to see what we do and keep that cave to survive. We have the TV put on banana crates and we have milk crates as our, as our lantern, our bed stool. You know, we survive with the bare necessities. There's nothing on the walls except for maybe some uh, creatures that we killed or something. It's, it's all we have. And then we get married, praise the Lord. And then what happens is that she comes in and she makes things pretty. She takes the deer heads off the wall and she puts up some curtains and she puts up some pictures. And we get the, the ratty old um, recliner that we've had that's falling apart but it's comfortable. And she gets some new couches in and she begins to decorate it. And slowly but surely she starts adding to it until our house that we live in is thoroughly furnished. It's complete or whole. Well, using that image in your mind, when you get saved, you're like a blank slate. And as the Word of God starts working in your life, you start to add different things in your life. Putting some more things in, making it pretty, putting proper things in, taking out the old garbage, making it look nice until your life, because of the Word of God, you become thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That every time the Bible is open, God is attempting to do a work in your life. And that this book is like any other book. It is God's holy word that is meant to reveal God to us. And as God reveals himself to us, we learn more about him and learn how to follow after him, learn how to respond to him, learn how to obey him. And he does something in our life to make us thoroughly furnished. Now again, this is just the foundation, the basis of what we're going to build the series off of in the next couple days. This is just introduction. But I want this to be an encouragement to you for you to start to realize that this Bible is important. How important should it be? It should be something that we're in all the time. Are you in the habit of reading the Bible on a daily basis? Have you made a determination that you are going to read the Bible in its entirety? Not just in its parts, not just stay in the Psalms or stay in the gospel records. But you're going to take time to learn the books of the Bible. To learn to know more about the scriptures. To look for God. You understand if you realize that this book is made to reveal God to man. You will read this Bible differently. You won't read it to see what action story comes later. Or what character shows up. But instead you'll be looking to say God teach me more about yourself. As I'm reading through the Ten Commandments. Teach me more about you through the Ten Commandments. Lord as I'm reading through the Minor Prophets. Teach me more about you through Amos. Through Obadiah. Through Jonah. Through Hosea. As I'm reading through the, the Christian church epistles. As I'm reading through the book of Corinthians. Teach me more about yourself. When you learn how to look for God in the scriptures, it changes the way that you read your Bible. It makes you more, you're more excited because you're learning more about him. But the scriptures are our source of telling us who God is. So because of that, we need to trust it. And because it is written by God, we can trust God's word to do his own work. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.